Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Anacrusic Podcast. You are listening to episode number 71. Today on tap, I'm talking with Ali Schneier all about social and emotional learning. You're listening to the Anacrusic Podcast with Anne Molesky, the music teacher and curriculum designer behind Anacrusic.com. This podcast is all about making your music teacher life more purposeful, sequential, and joyful, so you can take a breath and love each and every moment you spend making music with kids. So grab a cup of coffee and kick up your feet, because it's time for another episode. Welcome back to another episode where I'm interviewing a member of the TAP community. And today's interview is so phenomenal with Miss Allie Schneier. I actually got to meet Allie in real life at the Oak Conference this past year when we happened to be sitting in on the same session. And she is just a bubble of energy and so enthusiastic about everything that she's doing, and particularly this topic social and emotional learning in the music classroom, which has been part of her master degree, which you just finished up coursework for. So congrats to you, Miss Allie. But today I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with Allie all about this topic because it's definitely something that number one, music teachers are probably doing more of than what we realize. And number two, a little awareness goes a long way. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Allie about social and emotional learning in the music classroom. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast where I am talking with one of you, one of the top listeners. And today I am so excited to have Allie here to talk about social and emotional learning, which is such an important topic for us to consider in our classrooms. Thanks, Allie, for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So why don't you start by telling everybody your story? Talk a little bit about your musical background, what made you want to become a teacher and all that good stuff. Sure. Well, I have always had kind of a musical connection in my life. I, my grandparents have loved music ever since I was little. I spent a lot of time with them growing up. I didn't go to daycare or anything. I just went to my grandparents' house every day after school. And so some of my favorite memories are of just singing and playing games with my grandparents growing up. And music was definitely my favorite class and I had it always at the end of the day and then I'd go home and teach my grandparents whatever little songs that we were doing as that you know as during the school day so my mother she really noticed this kind of love of music that I had and love of singing and so when I was six she enrolled me in a local children's choir and it was predominantly a Kodai based children's choir and through that I you know, learn to read. I learned to solfege really well. I learned to sing with really good technique and all that other wonderful stuff that we hope we give our students when they sign up for choir with us. But I got to participate in a couple of the Oak Conference choirs. I got to participate in a couple of the ACDA Conference choirs. And that was so life-changing for me when I was growing up. And I just knew after the very first time I went, it was Um, the OAKE conference 2001 in Williamsburg, Virginia. And I came back and I was like, yep, I want to do this. I want to be 
a music teacher and I want to share this with other kids when I grow up. I love that so much. So that was always the trajectory through that time in like high school, I guess it would have been or. Yes, but I kind of thought I was going to be that choral director kind of track. And that was where my mind was going. So for college, I went to Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, and they have a really strong choral program there, a really strong music ed program. And that was always my thing. I'm like, yep, I'm going to be a choir director. And then I had my first practicums and I found I didn't really enjoy working with those age groups. That wasn't really me. And I found the more I experienced like my general music methods classes, I found like this is, this is more the right fit for me. And I really pursued that afterwards. Great. I love that. So why don't you talk a little bit about what your current teaching situation is like? Like what does a day in the life of Allie kind of look like where you are? Sure. So I'm teaching in Brookfield, Wisconsin, and I teach at a kindergarten through fifth grade building. It is a very, very large building. So I get to co-teach with some of the other music teachers in my district. And that's going to be really fun. I'm kind of excited about what we have planned for the fall. But I get to work with kindergarten through fifth grade. I see most of my students twice a week. Everybody except kindergarten comes twice a week for 30 minutes. Kindergarten only comes once a week, 30 minutes, which makes me sad, but that's how the schedule works. And then this fall, I have a choir uh, before school twice a week for fourth and fifth grade. And I'm super excited about the rep that we're going to be doing. Yeah. So that's a new, a new thing for you this coming year. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. Well, let's go ahead and dive right on into kind of the topic at hand. (laughs) And as I and before I started pressing record, this is not something that I am um, as up to par, I feel like. So I'm excited to hear some of the things that you have to share with us and some of the resources you might be able to suggest. But let's just start off by talking about what social and emotional learning means, both in a general education context and within our music classrooms. Sure. And I'm so excited to share this. I kind of started diving into this social and emotional learning area um, as part of the capstone I did for my master's program at Silver Lake College that I just finished. And that's how I kind of learned all about this stuff and how we can implement it into our general music classroom. So social and emotional learning is a framework for teaching that is really inspired by the emotional intelligence. And I read Daniel Goleman's book on emotional intelligence. He kind of premiered this idea back in 1995 and learned all about the five elements of emotional intelligence. So those elements include self-awareness, the ability to know emotions as you're having them, and tend to build off of that to be able to manage your emotions so that you have balance in your life. It's not supposed to be about emotional suppression and happiness all the time. It's really supposed to be more about just being balanced in the way that you feel. So making sure that you have the appropriate emotions for the situation and not being swallowed up and overtaken by your emotions all the time. From there, you can learn how to motivate yourself and use your emotions to guide yourself to achieving a goal. So knowing that, wow, when I finish this project, I'm going to feel really good. Or using that panic you feel with an upcoming deadline or like an upcoming concert to really get those things accomplished that you need to be accomplishing. Yeah. Back to knowing your emotions, it helps to build that sense of empathy 
being able to recognize emotions of others, being able to read their body language and infer things from their speaking tones to understand what they might be feeling. And then from there, managing your relationships with others as well, being able to work with others in social situations because you can kind of interpret how they're feeling and you can kind of predict that, oh, if I do this, they might react in that way. So that's all part of emotional intelligence. And then social emotional learning is the framework that helps teach our students those elements of emotional intelligence. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of stuff. stuff. So how have you incorporated this into your own teaching? Like what are some examples of what happens in your music room that takes all of this into account? Sure. Well, I designed about 10 lesson plans as part of that capstone process. And I was able to experiment with those a little bit. And they included using circle games, play parties, and song tales to help reinforce those social emotional learning skills with my students. Because it's really important to note, like, you're not going to fix everything just by teaching these skills in your music classroom all by yourself. This should be a whole school effort and a whole school commitment. So this is just you helping to reinforce what hopefully should be happening elsewhere in your school. And I know a lot of schools are kind of getting on this social emotional learning bandwagon. So hopefully this will be kind of relevant to a lot of people who are in this situation saying, how do I do this? Well, this is how I did this. I looked at those three categories of songs that I use in my classroom, especially with my little kids, my um, kindergarten, first, second, and third graders. And I kind of evaluated them. How can I teach self-awareness? How can I help them realize what emotions are and what those look like? So we use a lot of song tales because they talk about characters' emotions a lot in the song tales. We um, build in leadership activities to help build kids' self-confidence. That falls under the category of self-awareness too, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and building self-confidence. So any activities like circle games or play parties or folk dances, opportunities where kids can get up and lead their peers or act as like the top couple leading the set. Any activities like that can help them build self-confidence and would apply to self-awareness. When thinking about how to help them learn self-management skills, controlling your impulses, dealing with stressful situations, again, these three categories really helped me out. We would look at song tales and try and determine what the motivation was for a particular character, why they were doing what they were doing, or we applied it to ourselves in circle games. Like, can we follow the rules? Are we gonna get really upset if we don't get a turn? Same thing for play parties and folk dances. Are we hitting our partners too hard? Are our bodies getting really, really excited? and can't get it back into control. So all of that kind of helped them reinforce self-management skills. Um, From there, we talk about social awareness, being able to recognize where you are in any given social situation and setting. And again, circle games and play parties and song tales, they all work so beautifully for that. Kids had to know, like, where should I be sitting in my circle game? Where is my partner in the long way set? Where should we be? Are we the top couple? Are we at the bottom of the set? Are we somewhere in between? Just knowing where they fit in context. Being able to look at characters and song tales and determine how are they interacting with other characters in their life and examining those interactions. 
relationship skills. We did very similar things, learning how characters would interact with each other and their impact, most importantly. How did they impact each other in song tales? Or if you're working with a partner in your circle game or in your play party or in your folk dance, how am I interacting with my partner? If I'm clapping hands and I hit them too hard, how are they gonna feel? And what are they gonna think of me? because I'm hitting them too hard, kind of learning those boundaries to build relationship skills. And that ties in directly with the responsible decision-making component as well, because learning how to abide by a set of rules in a circle game, learning how to follow the directions of a play party and a folk dance, examining characters' choices and seeing if those were really responsible choices, kind of foreseeing the possible consequences of anyone's reactions in a song tale, and then applying that to yourself in the games and the music that you make in class. Like how, if you choose to do this, what could possibly happen? So I really looked at my rep when I was um, thinking about these five competencies and thinking of songs that could really help reinforce those skills. And then when I'm with my students in my classroom, we just kind of insert, you know, a two to three minute discussion about these topics. I only get 30 minutes with my students, so I don't want to spend... 10 or 15 of them just talking about social emotional learning skills. It's just a quick two, three minute class discussion and we move on with the rest of what we do. And I use a lot of observation of my students to see if they're kind of understanding these concepts. I listen in on their conversations with peers. I watch as they interact with each other during different activities we do to see if these concepts are kind of sinking in or if we need to go back and include some more language that reinforces these skills. Yeah, that's great. So what I'm kind of hearing is it's not like you have something in your lesson that says this is how in this particular lesson I'm going to be inserting social and emotional learning, but it's just sort of embedded in everything that you do and just where opportunities present itself. That's where you kind of draw attention to those skills that honestly we would assume, which, you know, say what you will about assuming, but we would assume most kids do um, or would know, but by drawing attention to them through that discussion that you talked about makes a huge difference because it's like, oh, look at how this applies to what everybody else in the school is doing, like you said, because it's a group effort. It's not just something isolated in your music room. So I think that's That's exactly it. Yeah. So do you have some like kind of go-to questions that you ask your kids in certain situations? I know maybe they're broken up by categories or they're just kind of like your go-to prompts. Are there things that you do think about specifically depending on what your lesson looks like that you kind of write in your lesson plan or how do you, how do you think through that process? Oh yes, absolutely. I have a lot of go-to questions that put it back on the students. So asking, you know, how might somebody feel if you did this? Or if you're singing a folk song like um, The Tailor and the Mouse, where the tailor worries about the little mouse when he gets sick and he bakes them in the pie. And you say, well, what, how would you feel if you got baked into a pie? Do you think the mouse really enjoyed that? Or, or do you think your partner really would enjoy it if you really gave him a really hard clap in a in a clapping padding activity like would you would you enjoy that so really putting that back on students and that ties right into that self-awareness competency it's really the foundation of everything being able to know themselves by second or third grade a lot of them realize yeah I wouldn't like that if somebody like clapped my hands too hard or I wouldn't like that if somebody 
bumped into me because they weren't paying attention. I wouldn't like to get baked in the pie if I was the mouse and the tailor and the mouse. They can kind of realize that themselves and then being able to have them apply that to their interactions with others. So that's really my go-to question is how would you feel if you were in that situation? Kind of making them put themselves in those shoes to tap into that knowledge of their own emotions and self-awareness. Yeah, this is like a way more intuitive and just smarter way to do classroom management, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Like if you're doing this and it's embedded in everything that you're doing, then you don't need to have a classroom management plan because this is how facilitate a lot of that. That's really, really interesting. I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that. So for folks who are maybe new to this idea, um, and it's kind of a, a whole new world to them, um, and it may or may not be something that their school is taking on as an initiative, what tips do you have for those of us who want to be more aware and incorporate this style of learning into our classrooms? Um, I would first say to really familiarize yourself with what those five competencies are of social emotional learning, the five parts of it. And like I've mentioned here on the podcast, it's self-awareness, having students be able to know their own emotions and helping them to build their self-confidence through that. It would be self-management, the ability for students to kind of start to develop some impulse control and some coping mechanisms, social awareness, so that they kind of know their fit and their place within their social settings, whatever that is, the classroom or the playground or the cafeteria, Um, building those relationship skills, being able to interact appropriately with your partners and communicate your your feelings with them. And then finally, responsible decision-making, that ability for kids to start to predict the potential consequences of their actions, both positively and negatively. And to, for me, my learning in that, a lot of it result was about the CASEL website, C-A-S-E-L. And that is the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. And they're kind of like your go-to resource on social emotional learning and the five competencies. So that's CASEL, C-A-S-E-L. And I learned a lot through their website. And then I just kind of started to experiment with my own lesson plans. The other really, really important factor I found out during my research of successful implementation of social emotional learning programs was that a culture of caring is the number one most important thing so that all students feel like they are a valued member of their classroom community and their school community, that they all feel like everybody has something to contribute and everybody matters. And I really reinforce that in my music room by telling them exactly that. I say those exact words. I said, everybody matters here. Everybody has something to contribute to start to build that sense of caring and community and culture. It starts student and teacher caring and kind of spreads student to student as well. Yeah, I love that. I was just about to ask you what kind of changes you've noticed (laughs) in your kids since you've started doing this. Like, are they using the language? Are they kind of identifying things on their own without you prompting a lot of the time? Or, I mean, how has it changed your classroom environment? Sure. It, it, this was an interesting year for me. This past school year when I was kind of developing all this stuff and really researching all this stuff, it was my first year in a new school district and in a new building. So I really put that right away into 
the culture that I created in my classroom to say like, here I am, I'm your new music teacher and this is what I'm all about. And everybody is important here and everybody matters and values. And my classroom is by no way perfect. Like we, we are not a title one school. We, we have kind of a ritzier community that we come from, but we still have a lot of kids who have traumatic backgrounds. And we have a lot of teachers who are certified in trauma-informed teaching still. And I still have kids who will get really frustrated and overwhelmed and shut down and they'll flee the room. But it's okay because I know this process takes time. In fact, a lot of reading social, or leading, sorry, a lot of leading social <laughs> emotional experts, they say it can take up to three to five years to actually see data-driven results when you start to implement social emotional learning programs. So this is not something that I'm like, great, I did this and it's fixed for tomorrow. But I have started right. to see a shift in how I interact with students and consequently how they interact with me and each other and really bringing them that awareness through that self self-awareness of emotions and then having them apply it to others have really seen a difference in how they interact with each other in my room already in just one year. So I'm excited to be there next year and to continue this growth with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause I mean, nothing's going to change unless you're kind of adapting to, to build that environment. Right. So that's mm-hmm. definitely the starting place. I love that so much. Well, this has been so informative. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Oh my goodness, there's so much to share. But I would say I would recommend everybody try in your more active games just to bring that social awareness, that relationship skills to your students. Just try these little small conversations with students and say, well, well, how would you feel if your if your partner did that to you? And so do you think they really like that? It's a really easy place to start by including some social emotional learning into your classroom, just building in those little micro conversations. And it's not going to take up your whole class period. I found during this research that music teachers, we're already doing social emotional learning. A lot of us just probably don't even realize it yet. So don't worry. It's not an extra thing to be added to your plate. You're, you're already doing it and just kind of seeing here's how you're doing it and bringing just a little bit more attention to it. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Allie, for sharing your expertise with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Anne. I am so excited. I was such a huge, I am still a huge fan of the podcast and I was so (laughs) excited when you asked me to be on it. Well, I think that this has definitely been a super valuable episode for everybody to listen to, and we appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for listening to the Anna Krusik Podcast. For more details and information from this episode, check out the show notes on anacrusik.com. While you're there, join the Tap Insiders community on Facebook, where you can collaborate with Anne and other music educators. Also, if you found this episode entertaining or informative, Don't forget to share with your music besties and leave a review on iTunes. The Anacrusic Podcast is a proud member of the Music Teacher Development Podcast Network. The Muted Network provides support in the form of audio on-demand programming designed by and for music educators. You can find more information about our network at mutedpodcasts.com.